Thanks, Ben. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. And as you do, let me ask you this question. Have you ever wondered how to share your faith with your friends? Let me ask you again. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to share your faith with your friends? How do you tell people that don't know Jesus about Jesus? If you're like me, you're, you're a follower of Jesus, right? And you know what you believe, but at some point, you start to do the math, right? You're like, if this is true, if God is who he said he is, if he created humanity, if, if God created me to live with him, then what about my friends that don't know Jesus? What about those who don't live with and for God? What about my friends who haven't heard the gospel? Have you guys ever had these thoughts? Have you ever done the math? As we continue our series, Let There Be Light, friends, we're talking about God's plan is to save humanity, right? He wants to save all the peoples of the earth, and that's why we're raising money. We came up here so that people in Africa can hear the gospel. We're, we, we, want to, we, we, we pray and we believe that God wants people in South America to learn about Jesus. He wants the whole world to know about Jesus. But friends, my question for you tonight is, what about your world? He wants the world to know the gospel, but what about the people that are in your world? What about the teenagers at Camus High School? What about the students at Mountain View and Evergreen and Union? Friends, what about the people down the street who go to Clark College? Does God want them to know the gospel as well? Think, like, like, I want you to think, have this thought, right? I want you to picture yourself telling your friends that don't know Jesus about Jesus. How does that make you feel? Like, honestly, what, what feelings come up inside of you? You were to picture yourself right now standing face-to-face with one of your friends that don't know Jesus. How does that make you feel to imagine telling them the gospel? What does that do inside of you? Where would you even start? Jesus, ah, my sin. Where would you even start, guys? Have you guys ever had these thoughts? How would you tell your friends about Jesus? Today, we're going to see a story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. We're in Acts chapter 17, and it's about a man, right? This is a powerful example of a man that shared his faith with those that were in his world. And as you guys are here tonight asking, how would I tell people about Jesus? I want you to look at his example and see what we learn about sharing our faith from Paul. In Acts chapter 17, let's see what happens. Check out this story, okay? Acts 17, beginning in verse 16. Go ahead, if you, don't, if you don't have your notes out, take your notes out. We got some fill-ins. You got your Bibles. And are you guys ready? Are you ready for this story? Hey, are you, are you guys? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, 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 listen. Are you guys ready for this? I'm not asking for the, oh, my gosh, I'm excited. No, I'm saying, like, dude, we're about to open up the Bible and hear God speak to us through the Bible. Are you guys ready for that? Are you, are you sitting forward? Everybody sit forward. Are you in the posture? Thank you. I'm just kidding. No, 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 you don't have to, right? Let's do this, all right? Let's start reading in verse 16. Now, 
while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So pause there, okay? Paul, he's with his missionary friends, and they're running through every city telling people about Jesus, but he actually gets kicked out of one city because there was a mob, right? And so the mob is like, kill him! And his friends were like, bro, we should probably run. He's like, no, man, I could take him. No, he didn't really say that. But he's like, no, 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 come on. This is what we got. No, no, guy, Paul, 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 get out, right? Get out. So he goes, and now he's waiting in Athens, right? And so imagine, like, Portland Saturday Market. He's walking through the marketplace, and he's like, oh, when are my friends going to be here? Oh, my gosh, they're taking forever. And he's walking through the Portland Market, and he sees a lot of weird things, right? (laughs) Keep Athens weird. And he's looking through the booths, and he's like, man, who would ever buy these earrings made out of stones, right? You guys ever go to Saturday Market? They have, like, the weirdest things there in the marketplace, right? So he's walking down by the water. He's going through the city, and it says... As he was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. And so here he is walking through the marketplace, right? And so some people are selling hot dogs, some people are selling necklaces, and then these people are selling gods made out of silver. And he looks at that and he goes, And then he keeps going a little bit more. And there's this next booth, and they're selling gods and goddesses, and they're saying, come, come. Buy one of our goddesses. And then he goes a little bit further, and then he sees these priests, and they're saying, hey, come worship our gods by sleeping with our temple prostitutes, right? And he's like, what is going on? And he sees the sign, welcome to Athens, (laughs) right? Friends, those who follow Jesus are concerned for those who don't. What was Paul's response? Paul's a Christian. He follows Christ. He's following God, the one true God. And yet as he walks through the marketplace, he sees all these other religions and and these people who worship with these just disgusting acts and idols. And what is his response? Notice, Paul doesn't go and he's like, Ugh! Ugh, Ew, you do do what? Oh my, who would worship? That's so dumb. Does Paul do that? He's coming through the city, and he doesn't start to mock them. He's not disgusted by these idol worshipers. No, it says that his spirit was provoked within him. Do you know what it means, provoked? It means that his feelings, his emotions were stirred. Friends, Paul, he was moved. He was concerned. He looked at these people, right, in the front row here, worshiping the other idols, and instead of getting disgusted, like, ugh, look at my face. He doesn't go, Oh, he goes, oh, oh, these people are lost. And it says that his spirit was provoked. He was moved. He felt compassion for them because those who follow Jesus are concerned for those who don't. And so we're talking today about how to tell people about Jesus, right? And so but before we get into like a three-step sermon, step number one, share your name. Step number two, shake their hand. No, 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 listen, listen. Before you think about telling people about Jesus, you need to check your attitude, right? Is your, when you see people that don't know Jesus, when you see people that are engaged in things that you're like, man, I would never do that as a follower of Christ, what's your attitude? What's your attitude? Are you tempted to be judgmental? Let's be honest. Those of you who follow Jesus, when you see those who don't, are you ever tempted to become judgmental? Right? I would never 
do what they're doing. Oh, my gosh, did you see what they were talking about in the cafeteria? Oh, my God. Did you hear what they did this weekend with so-and-so? Oh, my. I would never do that. Are you judgmental ever? Are you indifferent? You see people in school, and, and you know they don't know Jesus. You have friends that you sit with in the cafeteria every day, and you know they don't know Jesus. But maybe your attitude is, hey, whatever. I mean, to each his own. And so you're indifferent. Not, at least I'm not judgmental. Yeah, but you're indifferent. You can look at your friends that don't know Jesus, and your attitude is, oh, hey, all right. I, I guess God, I hope they get it figured out. And then we're indifferent. Sometimes you're, you're tempted to have this attitude. You look around at people that don't know Jesus, and you're seeing the way that they live, and you're tempted to become condescending. I can't, <laughs> I can't believe that those people down there did all... They should know better. You should know better. Don't you know? Are you ever tempted to do that? You become condescending. It's almost like, hey, I know best, and you don't, and poor, poor, they're there. Are you guys ever tempted to be like this? Paul, listen, we see from Paul that those who follow Jesus are concerned for those who don't. Raise your hand if you know, if you have a friend, a close friend that doesn't know Jesus. I want to see. Okay, so you guys know people that don't know Jesus. Raise your hand if you have a family member that doesn't know Jesus. Wow. Wow. Wow, that's powerful. Guys, listen, those of you who follow Jesus and you know people that don't, those who follow Jesus are concerned about those who don't. And so my, my first point here, guys, I'm asking you, I'm inviting you, I'm urging you from God's word, pray. Check your heart. What is your attitude? Lord, forgive me for being judgmental. God, forgive me for being indifferent. Like, I don't even care if they don't know Jesus. Forgive me for that and help me to be like Paul, who in reality was like Christ. When Christ saw people that didn't follow God, he was moved with compassion. He was provoked. He, he had concern. Those who follow Jesus care about those who don't. They're moved. They're moved to action. And that's exactly what Paul did here. Okay, look what it says. He was moved to action. Look what his action was. So... I love that word. I did this. So, look what he did. He reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. I love that. They just happened to be there, right? I just happened to be shopping on Saturday morning at the market, and this crazy Paul guy's here, right? So, they happened to be there, and some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities. Because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. So, man, so here's Paul. He's, he's going through the Saturday market of Athens. He sees all these things, and he says, you know what? Welcome to Athens. Thank you. I will stay here. And he begins to tell everybody, it says about Jesus and the resurrection. Jesus and the resurrection. He talked to everyone about it. Because we need to share the story with everyone. When it comes to sharing our faith, this is what we do. We go, Sam. No, no, this is what we do. We, we, go, we go, Sam, I, I have a friend, and he doesn't know Jesus, and I just wish that he would stop doing drugs. Sam, I have a friend, and she just, she doesn't know Jesus, and I just want her to stop sleeping around, right? And what we do is, when we think about sharing our faith, we, we almost start to, like, want them to behave a certain way, Right? 
We, but, but sharing your faith is not about getting people to behave a certain way, right? Our concern here, Paul didn't go around saying, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop selling this. No, no, no. Paul, his message was the story of Jesus. He was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And so, guys, how do you share your faith with your friends? Remember, it's not about getting them to behave. It's not about getting them to conform to a standard. Sharing our faith means telling the story of Jesus. And what's the story? The story is that Jesus Christ, he was born like a man. He was born as a man. He lived a perfect life showing us what humanity was meant to be like. He called us to come back to God. He performed miracles. He healed people. Dude, can you imagine what that would have been like to be walking into the marketplace and Jesus, you meet him and you're talking. You're like, what's your name? He's like, I'm Jesus. And then he shakes your hand and he goes, follow me, right? And then he heals you. And then you leave everything you have to follow him. Like, imagine what that would have been like that day. The whole city was excited about this Jesus guy. And then guess what happened? He got murdered. Turn on the 5 o'clock news one day, and the news says, you know that Jesus guy that was walking around here? Yeah, he just got murdered by the Romans. Well, that's a bummer of a story, huh? Why would you tell your friends that? No, because, guys, the story doesn't end there. Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he was who he said he was. The unexplainable happened. He rose from the dead. And then he called you and me and everyone else, and he said, follow me. And those who put their faith in me will also escape death. That's the story. That's the resurrection. Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. And those who follow him will also escape death. We'll have eternal life. That's what Paul is saying here. He's sharing the story. Who does Paul tell this to? Look at the text again. Who does he tell this to? Go back. Can you guys go back? Look in your Bibles, verse 17. So he received, so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons. So those are the religious people. And in the marketplace every day with those who happen to be there. Listen, sometimes it's easy for Christians to do this. We, we hang out. Hey, hey, guys, come here. Join me. Hey, 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 come here, right? And, and we hang out in what I call our little holy huddle, right? We hang out with Christians, and then we play our Christian songs, and then we learn our Christian games, and then we use our Christian language, us, right? And we forget that there's a whole world out there that doesn't know Jesus. But that's not what Paul did here. Paul's not going around just sharing with religious people. He's not insulating himself just with his Christian friends. Paul, he's mindful of both religious people and non-religious people. Revealing, guys, the reality that God wants all people to follow Jesus. That's what we see by Paul's example. God wants all people. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter how much money your family makes. It doesn't matter your religious history. We share the story of Jesus with everyone. That's what Paul was doing. He's boldly telling everyone the story of Jesus, and look what happens, all right? You're like, man, this is going to be an awesome story. I love it already. I know you do. This is my favorite story, too. Look what happens as Paul's telling the story. Verse 19, and they took him and brought him to the Areopagus. Say that one backwards, right? <laughs> Areopagus. Right? We'll try that one after. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? 
They say to Paul, may we know this new teaching that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. And so what do Americans do for fun? What are some things Americans do for fun? We eat, manja, manja. What else do we do? We do sports. What else do we do for fun, Americans? Play video games, football, social media, right? Do you know what the Athenians did for fun? They had, hey, come over. Yeah, what do you want to do? Watch a movie? No, let's talk about new philosophies. <laughs> you guys are all invited to my house Friday night, and uh, we're going we're gonna to discuss Socrates' um, uh, illusion of the sun. Uh, I don't even know who did that anymore. Anybody know? Philosophy, the sun in the cave, right? So- it wasn't Socrates, was it? I think it was Plato. Probably Plato. But think about it. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. That's what the Athenians did, though. They said, hey, let's discuss new philosophies. So here comes Paul telling a story about a God who died. Go figure. Here's a God who died, but wait, he rose from the dead. And they're like, whoa, this is different. We want to hear more about it. And we see that sometimes, guys, our boldness leads us to opportunities. Paul was bold in the marketplace. He shared the story of Jesus with everyone, and they came and they took him and they said, please tell us more. Now imagine, <laughs> imagine you're in school, and you're at the cafeteria, and you're sitting at your table, and your friend sits down next to you. He goes, friend? And he looks at you in the eyes, and he cues the music in the background. It's like this big tear welling up. And he goes, friend, Micah, Lily, Jordan, why do you believe in Jesus? right and you're like oh my gosh this is the moment this is what my youth pastor told me about and so you just open up and you start telling him the story and you're telling him and right around the time that you get to the virgin birth this other girl walks by and she hears something and she goes what's he talking and so she comes over now and now they're both listening to and then her friends stop and see what they're listening to and then the guys across the cafeteria walk over and before you know it, you have a crowd right and now there's six or seven or eight guys standing around now there's 10 people standing around the cafeteria table and they're just looking at you and they're looking at you what is he saying what what and they're and they're just hanging on every word and then they say time out time out time out time out, time out, time out. we're going to call an assembly and you're going to tell the whole school this all right <laughs> imagine imagine what would that be like That's exactly what happened here. Paul's telling a guy, his guy, his guys, his friends have friends. They come over. Before they know what they go, we can't hear you back here. Can you pause the story and we're going to throw an assembly for you. And now Paul is about to tell the entire Greek populace in the Areopagus the story of Jesus. How many of you have pooped your pants by now? Right? Admit it, man. It's okay, dude. Admit it. But friends, you got to realize the principle here that when we're bold for Jesus, when we, or when we have courage and tell people about Jesus, sometimes that leads to more opportunities. And I think that happens more often than not. I think about the man who shared the gospel one day with a drug addict, <laughs> a drug dealer who almost was about to leave his wife and little kid. And this guy was walking into the courthouse, right, on the steps. And he sees this drug dealer sitting on the steps. 
just came out of the courthouse, just had to handle his business, and the guy pauses and he stops and he looks at him and he remembers Paul's example and he says, tell everyone the story of Jesus. And so this guy comes over and he says, can I tell you the story of Jesus? And the drug dealer just looks at him and he goes, what do I have to lose? Why not? <laughs> tell me. And for the next three to four hours, they sat there talking about Jesus, right? That man was bold. But listen, it led to more opportunities. Because then that said, th this guy said, hey, I need my wife to hear this, right? And so now him and his wife are this guy's audience. And his whole family now is going to church. And it all came from that one guy's boldness, right? His boldness led to opportunities. And that drug dealer, the one who, who brought his whole family to church and got them baptized, that, those are my parents. I would have never known the gospel. I would have never been here sharing the gospel with you if it wasn't for a man being courageous. Our boldness leads to opportunities. And so they're giving him an opportunity here. Come, we're going to throw an assembly for you. We want you to tell everyone about Jesus. Tell us these foreign divinities. And Paul's just like, you don't have to tell me twice. He took the opportunity. And so look what he does. So Paul standing in the midst of the Areopagus. you got to imagine this, right? He gets up here, and he's just like, you know how those Greek theaters look super cool, right? And they're like, all right, next on the agenda, uh, Glenda from Islam. Glenda? No show. Next, Paul about Jesus Christos. And so Paul, you know, Paul wasn't like this, like, Paul wasn't the gladiator, put it that way, okay? I don't think Paul was just, like, buff guy that, like, people would watch him even if they weren't hearing what he was saying. I think it was this meek man, right? Maybe had a little bit of a hunchback going on. Wasn't super eloquent. Didn't know rhetoric like other Greek speakers. And he stands up there, and he stands in the midst of the Areopagus, right? I don't know if he was shaking or not. Maybe not. But this is what he says. He goes, men of Athens. Boom. There's the courage, actually, right? He's directed, men of Athens, and all the ladies are like, what about me? Right, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. I should have memorized this. It would have been like a lot more effective, right? Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed and observed the objects of your worship, I found an altar, and it had this inscription, to the unknown God. So men of Athens, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. Pause. Before he gets into his sermon, did you realize what he did? Did you realize what he did? He came to them. He said, men of Athens, I realize that you're very religious because as I was walking through the market, I noticed that you guys had an altar. And on that altar, there was an, an inscription that said, this is devoted to the unknown known God. Guys, look what Paul does. This is amazing. For How do we share our faith? Look what he does. He doesn't approach them as people who don't know anything. He doesn't go, all right, men of Athens, everything you've ever known in your life, flush it. Here's reality. Right? Try that in the cafeteria. Can you tell me about Jesus, Kayla? Sure, I'll tell you. Everything you've ever known before, you're dumb. Now let me tell you what really is going on. Right? He doesn't treat them as people that don't know anything. He says, listen, listen, you believe that there's a God out there that you don't know. You're right. Now let me shed some light on that. Guys, even those who don't have a relationship with Jesus, can't they know truth? 
Can't they? Even those who don't believe in God, can't they know some things that are true? Can't they know certain things about reality? And so what you and I can do is we can shed light on the truth that they already have. When you're telling your friends about Jesus, you can shed light on the truth that they already have. Let me illustrate, right? So, so hey, friend, you believe that there's a God out there that we don't know, right? You're right. Now, let me shed some light on that. He reveals himself through Jesus. Hey, so friend, you believe that everyone is messed up, don't you? Yes, I do. Everyone is messed up. Man, this world is crazy. Man, this world is psycho. Right? That's right. I agree with you. You're right. Now, let me shed some light on that. Here's what God did to intervene into this messy world. Do you see what I'm saying? People that don't know Jesus, they still can have some level of truth. And like Paul, we can simply shed some light on the truth they already have. So your friends probably believe that, man, when we die, we're going to have to answer for, we're going to have to answer for this life, right? And you go, that's right. I agree with you. You are correct. Now let me shed some light on that. Let me shed some light on how God made it possible for us to stand on that day and be okay. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Don't go around telling your friends that they don't know anything because they're not Christians. People can know truth. We can identify God's truth no matter where it comes from because truth is truth. And so if you have a friend that has a, a, an inkling of truth or they believe something's right, hone in on that and say, yes, I agree with you. Let me shed some light because the Bible sheds some light on that. And so I don't want you to believe, though, that like, oh, uh, well, in order to share my faith, I just, I can agree with everything they say. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Jesus. No, no, no. There comes times where you're going to have to disagree, friends. And this is the hard part. There comes times where you guys are going to have to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the friend that you love. And they're going to say, I don't believe in this, this, this. I believe this. I don't believe that we're around when we die. I believe that we're just here and boop, we're gone. I don't believe that there's a God. I don't believe that I have to answer to anyone for my life. What do you do in those moments <laughs> when there's no truth to shed light on? You got to do what Paul did here. You got to declare all the truth boldly. Let's end our text here. Look at his sermon. So he stands up there. He sheds some light on the truth that they do have, but now he declares all the truth boldly. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in these temples made by man. No, no, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So here are these Greeks, right, where, where they're making houses for gods, and Paul goes, uh, excuse me, the God who created the world doesn't live in these temples made by man. He actually gives them their own breath. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, so that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet, he's actually not far from each one of us. So let's pause the sermon there. Look what he did, right? The first thing that Paul does when he's declaring truth, he says, there is a God and he created everything. Do you guys believe that? Do you guys really believe that? That's the truth. That's what Paul says. He goes, there's a God, and he created everything. He's big. You know what our culture thinks of God these days? Any of you do that? Did any of you guys go around your school and say, hey, what do you think about God? You did it? You have a video? Send it to me. Yeah. Cowley girl, did you do it? No? 
Listen, you know what our culture thinks about God? God is small. God is the one that like, he's like my genie in a bottle, baby. Got to rub me the right way, honey, right? Like, that's what people think about God. Like, if I need something, I'll rub the genie and call him. But listen, God, friends, oh, teenagers, please get this. God is the creator of all. God is big. It says that he's sovereign. It says that he allots the times of people's lives. He's over all. He's the creator. And that means, guys, that he has a claim on your life. God is not this puny God going, guys, citizens, please accept me into your hearts. Pretty please. Pretty please. Pretty please. That's how people view God, right? God is just weak and meek, and he has like a sheep up there in heaven petting it. And he's like, I hope that they accept me. God is the creator of the universe. He's the one who can, universes, explode. He's the one who sustains the very fact that you're breathing right now, guys, is because he is willing that you are breathing. And the moment that he stops sustaining you, you would be dead. That's the big God that the Bible portrays. And therefore, he has a claim on your life. We can't just go, yeah, I'm going to disregard God. Maybe that's for someone else. God is God of you. He's the God of, the, of his all whole creation. And he has a claim on your life. That's what Paul says here. To ignore God, you're not simply disrespecting another human. You're, you're disregarding God of all. So you following? That's Paul's message right here. He says, number one, God is the creator of everything. He's big, but he's actually not far from each one of us, he says. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. For we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone. And you see people getting uncomfortable here, right? He's like, God's not made out of gold. And they're like, my God is, right? He's not made out of silver or stone. An image formed by the arts or the imagination of man. The second thing that he says here in his sermon is that he created us for relationships. So friends, don't be frightened. God is big. He's bigger than you can ever comprehend. I told our academy class that trying to understand God is like trying to fill a two-liter bottle with the ocean. You can't. He's bigger than you. He's, he's over all. And yet, he's near to each one of us. Yet, this transcendent over, the, over everything God still has invited you and me into a relationship with him. That's the kind of God this is. Therefore, Paul continues... The times of ignorance, God is overlooked. You used to be ignorant. You used to not know. Can you imagine? He's standing up there telling them, hey, I'm telling you that God is the creator of everything. He's initiated a relationship with you, and now you're no longer ignorant. Now you know. Therefore, repent. Now that you know, he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has a fixed day. He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he's given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And so the last thing in Paul's message is God is big. He invites you into relationship with him, yet he calls you to stop living for yourselves. If you're a Greek and you worship all these idols, what's going through your head when Paul says this? 
God is big. He doesn't live on your shelf. Sorry, girlfriend. He's big, yet he's close to us. He invited us into relationship. And I want you to repent and stop living for yourself. That's the truth. He declared all of it boldly. What would you do if you're a Greek? Well, look what they did. Last verses. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, remember, he ended. He was always telling about the resurrection. When, he, when they heard the resurrection of the dead, some mocked him. Pfft, boo, boo, resurrection of the dead. This guy's a loser. Down with him. Off with this, burn him, right? It's just like, this guy's wacko. Somebody who was raised from the dead, come on, right? Seriously, some mocked him. But others said, we'll hear again about this. Hmm. We'll hear you again about this. And so Paul went from their midst. Some men joined him and believed. Among them were Dionysus, the Arabite, Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with him. And so friends, you, you ever wonder, what would happen if I told my friends about Jesus? What would happen if I told people that I believe in Jesus Christ? What would happen if I told people the gospel? Well, we see here that the gospel produces mixed results. Sometimes people respond. Sometimes people obey God and repent. Sometimes you know them. You said yourself that you have friends and family members. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they mock. Have you ever been mocked for your faith? Have you ever had somebody tell you you're kind of stupid because you believe that a guy 2,000 years ago rose from the dead? Duh, those things don't happen, <laughs> says them. And so the gospel produces mixed results. But friends, what we see here from what Paul did is that we should tell, you should tell your world about Jesus. We want the whole world to know. We want everyone in the world to know about Jesus. But friends, we see here from Paul, just tell your world about Jesus. Jesus. 